You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. In today's episode, I'll have a conversation with someone who, like myself, had the opportunity to literally see how the sausage is made being at Bethel. And I think that um, it's very important that um, we take this opportunity to help people to see behind the curtain. Because when one is at Bethel, regardless of which branch location you may be at, you will see things that, interestingly, the average Jehovah's Witness will never see or even hear about. And then we'll then we'll move to what both you and I were standing behind the curtain and what we saw. We used to go to battle. Everything was nice and tidy. And I just knew it wasn't for me. <laughs> I remember I asked my mother as a kid, if I go to Bethel, could I sleep in an igloo? Because as a kid, I thought I can build an igloo of snow outside Bethel uh, and then just go in for to work and then go back to my igloo. <laughs> because I knew Bethel is not for me. You know, I'm ADHD person. So. <laughs> okay. so, but I was a super witness. I really loved it. And uh, I loved pioneering. Uh, but I didn't want to go to Bethel. But I actually worked on four Bethels which is more than average. Yeah, that's actually, that, that's a lot. Um, I, I remember um, in, in terms of Bethel, when I, I went, it was, that was something that was actually very much pushed for us growing up as kids. Our circuit overseers, yeah. district overseers, conventions, uh, young man, go to Bethel, a pioneer. And that was really the big thing. Yes. But you mentioned that, that when you were young, Bethel was not something that you wanted to do. No. Um, so when you finished school, uh, what did you decide to do then? Well, uh, I went to learn how to be a sheet metal worker, a tinker, you know, like construction work, uh, sheet metal, everything, uh, because then you could work for Jehovah, you know, building stuff. Uh, and I actually had a lot of fun, const uh, different be uh, construction projects. And that's why I've been to Bethel. I've never been a Bethelite, but I've been there working with uh, construction things, mostly sheet metal. But... Um, you know also about the Bethel loophole. I don't think it's used as much as in America as in Europe. But if you imagine in Europe, uh, imagine the United States of America, if every uh, state had their own branch. That's how it is in Europe. And Europe is actually, if you look at it on a map, it's quite small. And there's uh, like a branch in every country. Mm -hmm. And when you're a, a full-time servant, like a pioneer, you actually are allowed to stay at Bethel two nights, no question asked. And that's really no question asked. So I used to use that uh, whenever I was out pioneering and I was really pioneering. I was living in a Toyota Starlet, you know, really small Toyota and out, out in um, unassigned territory preaching all alone. So whenever I felt lonely and needed uh, food and a shower, I would hitchhike down to Bethel. That's like a 12 hour of hitchhiking, which gave me 12 hour of field service. Exactly right. And then I would stay two nights at Bethel you know, with free food, free showers, everything like a hotel. And then I would just go back to Bethel. So if you imagine if you're pioneering and people actually do this in Europe, if you're pioneering, you and your wife were pioneering, then you buy a, a railroad ticket for young people. Uh, I don't think it's it cost like it's very cheap to buy yeah. a railroad ticket for Europe that you can go as much as you want for one month, see all Europe. So many pioneers, they would just buy one of these tickets and then go to Bethel in Denmark, 
stay two days at a very nice hotel, then go to Bethel in Netherlands, Bethel in Belgium, Bethel in France, Bethel in Germany, and just go from Bethel to Bethel, all Europe, like two weeks at uh, nice hotels for free. Yeah. <laughs> and, I don't know fact, if you use that loophole in America. Yeah. In, in fact, uh, I, I remember you mentioned something in, in one of your videos where a, a brother privately pulled you to the side and he shared with you three things that you yeah. needed to learn. Uh, could you share with the audience what those three things that you were told a good Jehovah's Witness really needs to learn? Do you recall what they were? That, that was my uncle, and he's a very, very nice person, and he's one of, you know, Jehovah Witnesses troubleshooters. So if there's disobedience elders somewhere, they will send him, mm -hmm. and he goes there, even though he has a family and he's yeah. pioneering. So he's hardworking, he's honest. Yes. But he took me aside and said, when I started out as a pioneer, a brother gave me this ad advice, and my first thought was, he's an apostate. But I learned that this advice is good advice. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give it to you. So listen carefully. First advice is never ask for permission. Yeah. Just do it. And if necessary, ask for forgiveness. Yes. Never ask for permission. Yes. Second advice was learn to work the system. Yes. There's a system. Learn to work the system. Yes. And the third rule, never, ever trust the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. He's a bastard. He's a bastard. Yeah. And he, my uncle said this to me, and I thought, oh, he's an apostate. And then I thought, he took me aside and told me this, so there's there's no second witness. That's right. Aha. That was rule number two, learn how to work the system. And then learn you, how to work yeah. the system. So and my uncle were the... took me aside, so were alone, told me this. Yeah. Never ask for permission, learn to work the system, and never, ever trust the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, and they always reacted on the third one the same way. People that were in Bethel that been on a long and had some kind of, uh, you know, self mm -hmm. uh, for a minute. Could, could make fun of Watchtower. You know, not a newly. Oh, oh no! You have, you have to be very selective. Yeah, but if you spoke, spoke to people on Bethel and when came to the third said, you know, never trust Watchtower. Say, yeah, that's true because you have to remember that Watchtower is not a charity. No. If you can't work for them, they will throw you out. They will throw you out. Yeah, I had a mentor who told me the same thing. Um, I mean, he, he really stressed, make sure you know organizational procedures well because you'll never lose any argument with other elders or other brothers because you will always be able to say, what does the branch say? What does the society yeah. say? What does the slave say? And and, and that became a, a, a hallmark. So you learn never to give your opinion. Make sure you always were backed up by the organization. And it is so true that you have to learn to work the system. Like you say, you move all around to all these branches because you knew how to work the system. And yeah. when you stop and think about it, it sounds just like it does in any other corporation. Uh, you will always, you go to work for a ma in many corporations. You have somebody to pull you to the side. And you'll say, no, this is what you do. Don't do this. Do this. Do that. Do that. And if you learn those things, that is how people move up. Because I always wondered, you know, how did they get this, this, this brother who's in this high position? And he don't know nothing. He's he's not that talented. He's, he doesn't. He's not loving. But it's because he knew how to work the system. And so you literally see that this is an organization just like any other worldly corporation. That's what you yeah. begin to quickly understand. And yeah. uh, uh, one of the things Jehovah Witnesses believe is that you should obey the law of Caesar. So when uh, when directions come from the United States of America, 
even if it was God's one true organization, these people cannot know how this should be applied locally on hundreds of different jurisdictions. Yes. So, and I was a smart kid, you know, so I would always say, well, this is what the Bible say, this was the Jesus say, and this was the Norwegian legislation say. And so it's it, it doesn't talk against the watchtower, it's just the fact that we're in Norway, and one of the things that we believe in is obey Caesar. But this caused me into a lot of trouble, and I, more and more I came to realize that one of the good ways of going up in the organization is just to have slightly a small I, IQ than average, because then they could just, they can take in all of the diversity of opinions. If you have like a little limitation, I'm not talking about stupid, but mm -hmm. it was a frustration where people I knew they had uh, quite not low IQ, but like slightly lower than average. And they were doing this career based on their inability to see the big picture. Because if you see the small picture, you just watchtower said so and so. And I actually believe that not always that the governing body meant that this direction should be taken literally. But they were. They were. Yeah, because I, I do believe that if the governing body would have been sitting in Norway, they would probably have been written from a Norwegian perspective. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's what kind of makes the organization uh, very interesting behind the scenes. You have an organization that's based out of the United States in New yeah. York City at the time, for the most part, the history of this organization. And they would send these rules out all around the world. Yeah. And they don't apply in every locale. Yeah. And yet you were making people all around the world fit this one mold. It's so like with McDonald's, you, you cook the sandwich and you make the Big Mac exactly the same. And so you, nothing took in cultural uh, differences, nothing took in cultural uh, viewpoints, nothing. Everything was how it was from those individuals. So let me ask you a question though. How did you end up being able to get involved in the construction activities, all these different uh, branches? Were you invited? Did you send, did you put requested? I mean, how did you do that? I actually crashed one of the best. <laughs> it is a man-made organization. So I really, I really wanted to go to, to, to Russia. Imagine you're living in Scandinavia. It's quite close to Russia. You know, yeah. we have all this uh, military thing during the Cold War. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, communists disappear and all the uh, Russian witnesses. Two pieces witness. Yeah, and I'm an educated sheet metal worker with, uh, and I want to go there. And the age limit was 19. And then they raised it to 20. So, it, oh, you know, man. when you're 18, two years ahead in future, it's like a thousand years. A thousand years. So in the end, I went to Norway instead. I was I was actually invited to Norway to work for Bethel. They were building, believe it or not, they were building condos in downtown Oslo with free labor. So they bought a plot of land to buy a kingdom hall. And then they buy, uh, uh, like, it was a five-story building. So it was seven condos and then they find out owning condos is not what the charity should do so they sold them but uh, <laughs> it's a good business model building condos with free labor anyways yeah. i went to norway instead because they accepted me when i was 18. Wow. and then i got a call from bethel that said no i got a call from swedish bethel that said i could go to russia and that was must have been some kind of misunderstanding but yeah, I didn't, generally I didn't, one country and other countries. Yeah, right so I, I got a phone call from Bethel that I could go to Bethel in Russia. And that must have been some kind of misunderstanding. But I, you know, learned to use the system. I, to use the system. Uh, I, I just called to, to, to the Norwegian branch 
and said, you know, uh, I'm sorry about this, but uh, there's been some kind of mistake. I don't want to tell someone so they will be stumbled. But, you know, I have I have gotten an invitation to Russian Bethel from the Swedish branch. And obviously, since I'm a publisher in Norway, well, a pioneer in Norway, this must come from the Norwegian branch. So uh, if you could fix this problem without, uh, w w no one has to know. And they were like, yes, 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 yes. So then I got a written invitation. Oh, wow. <laughs> to Bethel uh, to work in Solnechnoye. That's the uh, Russian branch. And it's a beautiful place by the sea outside St. Petersburg. Uh, so you can just walk from Bethel like um, five, ten minutes walk and you're by the sea. It's oh, so, they basically had beach, so they basically had beachfront property then. And not beachfront, but like walk as close as you can get. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of hotels, and I think now the Russian government have it as some kind of health institu institution, okay. and it's gonna. I, I wish them well, and uh, it's it's a really nice place. And remember that Saint Petersburg is like, I don't know, 10 million people living there. Okay. So if you go from Saint Petersburg out to, I would be like New York and Coney Island or something yeah, like that. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> so imagine wow. if the Brooklyn would be on Coney Island, something like that. So it, what was it, the makeup? Nice what, what was the make? What was the makeup of? So so you had witnesses coming from all different countries coming in to help out in Russia for the yeah, building. So what what, what were the people coming from? So uh, the. The, the the Finnish Bethel was put in charge of the Norwegian, uh, the Russian branch, and the Swedes were like, "Why did the governing body do that? Don't oh, wow. we are in charge?" Like old time nationalism. Imagine if uh, if uh, England and Scotland would have each one Bethel, and one of them would be put in charge of Ireland. Obviously, the English would think that well, of course, we will be put in charge of Ireland. So the, wow. if if the Scottish Bethel would put in charge of Ireland, the English Bethel would be like something's wrong. Yeah, I, I remember you had mentioned, and, and, and I know, like for example, here in the United States, you, you, the 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 conflict that you often would see just as a nation would be yeah. a racial conflict, you know, black people, yeah. white people, and then of course when you come to Bethel, the organization teaches you know everybody is loving and, and wonderful. But you also saw views and perspectives that, that were racially charged, yeah. even when I was at Bethel. But but I remember you had mentioned something that in 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 the Scandinavian countries, everybody's basically a white person. Yeah. But what you often mentioned was, and I think it's important to share that this is because see the organization teaches that we're all loving brothers and sisters. What you got, yeah. what you described once before is basically nothing more than nationalism. I mean, first thing, the Scandinavian nations are very, very, very friendly, like Sweden and Finland is the only neighboring nation in Europe that never been to war. So it's not like some that kind of nation national conflict. And Scandinavians always refer to other Scandinavian countries as our brothers. So so a worldly politician would talk about Finland would talk about our brothers. And this also rubs over. So I, I noticed that uh, on the convention, uh, Jehovah Witness Bethelites would send greetings to Finland when the district overseer going by and say, he's going to visit our brothers among our brothers. So they refer to wow. the nation of Finland as our brothers. So, wow. uh, so, so it, it is a peaceful um, brotherly friendship between the Scandinavians. Uh, but uh, there's also like sibling rivalry like Sweden see themselves as the big brother, which obviously not Finland and Norway and Denmark 
necessarily agree with. So, so when it happened that uh, the, uh, the uh, American branch and uh, the, the governing body gave Russia uh, to, for Finland, the Swiss brothers were like, oh, why didn't they do that? Don't they know about history that we are the big brother of Scandinavia? Uh, must be something wrong. Yeah. And then the Finnish brothers were like, the Swedes think that they know Jehovah decided that we should be in charge. So, yeah. and, so and so it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because all of a sudden, what is supposed to just be we all brothers, all of a sudden, national views or national perspectives. Because remember, that's that's one thing we taught people in the world. We're all brothers. We see no difference. Yeah. But when you saw all these different people at the at the branch, what did you observe, though? Yeah. So, so it was like the Finnish brothers were like. First, it was only Finnish and Russian, and then the Swedes came and Danish, and they were not. A, I wouldn't say conflict, but you know the underlying spirit. Uh, so, what was the pecking order? I mean, that's because that's, yeah, yeah, the, so the, the Finnish brothers said like this, and now the Swedes are coming, and the Swedes will say that. Well, now we came, and now we're going to be in charge, and they are not going to be in charge because the governing body said that Finland going to be in charge, wow. and then the Swedes came, and the Swedes said. Well, now the Swedes came, and we're going to be in charge. So exactly what the Finnish people were uh, expecting to happen happened. Happen. And I see this from uh, it was kind of funny, but it was also kind of a stress because the Finns were a little aggressive, and the Swedes were like a little arrogant; they couldn't understand. So thing wasn't working, and this resulted in one thing: that the real Christians, like us, that being in generation of Jehovah Witnesses, would look down at the Russians. Oh, wow, and this was sad. Yeah, because and this, and that's that's what. And so remember, like I said, we, we we tell we tell worldly people we're all brothers. We see no difference, color, shade, nationality, and you're yeah. getting a peek at something. So so what happened? I mean, because you said like for people who've been around, we we realize you know everything we preach is not everything that we actually do. So what did you see with people who were kind of new, as it were? Yeah. So so. Uh... Okay, so if you've never been a Jehovah Witness, well, I guess it's like most religion. When you join a religion, you think everything is perfect, and then you lower your standards. And when you grow up there, you're, you're used to this, and you, you like the Jehovah Witness drink quite a lot, but you're used to, we don't tell outsiders, yeah. but we know and we keep it. Jehovah Witness parties will often end at 10 p.m. because we have to go out in fuel service, but in real life, people go home early to drink. Without wow. the, you know, so you gr you grew up with this kind of uh, double things. But the, the the Russians that came, they were expecting a spiritual paradise, yeah, and they were made fun of, and it was not, you know, like the colonial way of talking about Russians. I remember a brother farted uh, at the breakfast, and they said, "Oh, it smells Russian here." Oh wow, they would yeah. they would say stuff like that. Yeah, and that that's not okay. And yeah, you, I, I, I saw I, I used to see that at Bethel we had basically longtime witness kids, like guys who came in and they had been, like you said, witnesses for years. And then you had people who had just got baptized. I know guys who just got baptized like three or four years, and they had a special skill, of course, and they came to Bethel and they was expecting to see, you know, like you said, holy paradise, you know, angels and so forth and, and hearts being played. And they would get to Bethel, man, they have guys cussing, you know, like sailors and and you, they would just be in total shock. Like, I can't believe the brother, he, he used a curse word. And we're like, yeah, he's, he's spiritual. You think he is. And so, but once again, you couldn't tell anybody on the outside. This Bethelite could not go back home and say, you know, they'd be cussing at Bethel all the time. He, he couldn't do that. 
And so yeah. we, we live that double life, that, that double quandary. What type of challenge did that, did that make for the Russian witnesses, though? They, they didn't really... Okay, so now I, I'm, I, I can't read people's thoughts, but sometimes yeah. you can see people like they were sad. They knew something was wrong, but they couldn't put the finger on it. And uh, so F Swedes and Finns are very well organized as people uh, due to our history. We were a military dictatorship for 200 years, and basically everyone was in the army, so we got used to that way of being. And that's why you see Watchtower, when they send out missionaries, they send out all over-representative share of Germans, Swedes, and Finns. Oh, I didn't Sweden know is the country oh, that sent out You're most right. missionaries. You're right. When yeah. I was in Bethel, they will always, they would make up the larger portion of the classes. Yeah, because Swedes are super organized as people. So like they're super witnesses. You can take Swedes and they basically are like Bethelites to begin with. So, um, so it, that was, and that's a good thing. <laughs> That's a good thing. So I came to, to, to Bethel in Russia. It was a hard hat waiting for me with a name, with my name written in Russian. Uh, you got the color coding. Uh, you had a white helmet if you were a foreman. And then they would show us around. We got, everyone got $5. They were not real dollars, but they were dollars. So if you wanted a tool, you gave them a dollar. But then if you wanted your dollar back, you have to give back the tool. and. Uh, borrowing everything was very well organized you like token to show you around so that, that's a good thing and they also they and this is very important for me uh, and they did a good job they were focusing on workers safety that's a big good thing so the the, the fact that it was well organized was a good thing uh, but then they kind of organized the fun out of it and they organized the love out of it uh, like they sometimes do in high control. Yeah, they, 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 as they said, they overthink it. They, 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 yeah. yeah, but I, I spoke about this on my channel, but what, what they did was uh, when they showed us around, they always say, uh, you know, it's cleaning on Wednesday, it's this, it's uh, mm -hmm. just a rule for housekeeping and everything. But yeah. everyone that showed us around said, don't put, you put your trash in the trash can, but you put your empty buckle, bottles behind beside it. And I and they told us this over every station where they explain stuff. They explain well, what, kind of, what kind of bottles? What kind of bottles? <laughs> yeah, it, it was important because they told us over and over again about the bottles. And then they also say, you know, we have a rule for this, a rule for that, a rule for this, a rule for that. But you can do whatever you want in your room. Oh yeah, we have a rule for this, rule for that, rule for this, rule for that. But you can do whatever you want in your room. And this was repeated. And I, and basically. So I was 19 years old and you work a long day, you don't get tired. So I would just go out and walk by the sea and explore Russia, you know, I had fun. But I, I started to realize more that people were drinking. Yeah. In, in Scandinavia, uh, alcohol is expensive. You know, we pay, it's due to heavy taxation and we get free healthcare and so on. So we can buy alcohol, but it's not cheap. And that limits the drinking. But uh, what happened when you take Scandinavia out of Scandinavia is that they're like, oh, this is a vacation. Oh, I can buy vodka at the petrol station for next to nothing. Yeah. So we did. And I remember one day I was feeling bad. I was sitting, uh, staying home and the other... Yeah, that was also fun because they really work you to death when you're bad. Oh, they, they sure do. They I, sure I felt do. really bad, like really feverish, really, really bad, like I had the flu. And I went to the nurse. We had a nurse. And I said, I feel really bad. I think I have the flu. 
And she just looked at and said, I want to go home and not working today. And she looked at me, well, I have the flu too. I'm still working. I'm still working. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's yeah. how diseases spread. The yeah. nurse have the flu. Yeah. We, we, we have a nurse at Bethel, man. Her name was Sophie. Everybody hated Sophie because you knew at Bethel, if you, you could not be sick on Monday. You could be sick any other day of the week, but you could not call in on Monday being sick. The reason why, because they knew a lot of Bethelites went off for the weekend. I mean, you would you would get in the car on Friday and you drive as far as you could. You you they, you would go all the way to other cities, and you would do these what we call suicide weekends. And then you would come back Sunday night, one, two, three, or four o'clock in the morning, and you just be so tired you don't feel like going to work on Monday. So you just try to call in sick. And when Sophie would come by your room, that'd be the first question she asked: What time did you get in last night? And of course, you can't lie. And so you say, I got in about four thirty. And so at that point, you know, she was she would she would write you up. And so yeah. you just knew. And I learned that you you can be sick all you want to on Monday. Hold it over to Tuesday. Do not try to call in sick on Monday because they will not accept it, basically. And so that was a problem that we had with, you know, you just you couldn't get sick. I mean, it was not acceptable. You can either go to yeah. work. I mean, it, it was just unreal, man. It was unrelenting, man. That's why a lot of females, a lot of sisters, man, they really caught it. Yeah. Uh, you no know, brothers, you 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 stumble through, but you know, with women, they have you know certain issues in the time of the month, and some of them they they didn't lighten up, and it was really, I mean, institutional living, uh, like being in a prison where everything is on schedule and time, it it it, it is very very challenging. So, yeah. what what did you observe? See, I'm gonna see if did you observe what I observed about Buffalo? Well, I, I don't know what you observed, but. Um, uh, so uh, back on Bethel in Russia, yeah. So, the day I stayed home with the, with the Finnish brother because I just went home and I slept and then I w woke up and I asked the Finnish brother. I was living with five Finnish brothers. And, you know, I'm going up to the kiosk. So Russian kiosk is like a small kiosk with a small window like that. So we went up uh, and we each bought a bottle of vodka, half a liter. And Russian vodka bottles, they open it like this. <laughs> Because there's no reason to close it while it's only half a liter. So when you open, open it, you finish it. <laughs> yeah. So we got uh, five, uh, one bottle, half a liter bottle each. And one of the brothers bought a piece of chocolate. And I remember looking at him and thinking, why is buying chocolate? That's not healthy. And then we took all our vodka and we're playing cards. And uh, I, I was speaking Finnish the whole evening, which I don't. But I was probably drunk since I thought I spoke Finnish. And we're having a really beautiful day just sitting there. It was one of the best days of Russia. But basically, we drank one half a liter of vodka each. And then the next day, I could see five empty bottles by the trash can. Yeah. No, six. It was a whiskey bottle, too. And then in the trash, it was a piece of chocolate paper. So it, it was a lot of drinking. And I can tell you a story about true Christian love because it was two Norwegian brothers and one of them got stinking drunk. So he lost completely everything. So he peed himself, he shat himself and lying on the floor in the room. And remember, the rule is you can do whatever you want in, in the room. room. So this other brother that was sober, he, you know, he took off his pants took one pen, then you do like almost like the pioneer stroll, walk the whole way like <laughs> theocratic, 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 clean the pants, went back and took one item at a time, not, uh, you know, 
So whatever yeah. happened in the room was not visible. You don't take all the clothes and go and shit, uh, clean them as uh, he got drunk. Wow. So he did uh, the whole evening, spent the whole evening cleaning this poor brother and put him to bed. And you basically changed the diapers on a grown man. Yeah. Yeah, and did not tell anyone. So that's uh, yeah, that was the thing. He didn't tell yeah, yeah, that's because he would, if, 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 like you said, if they had gotten out, they would ask him to leave. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so they kept wow. it in the room, but this was a lot, and I started more and more realize the reason why they were focusing on this. Do you know you can do whatever you want in the room, and and then we were using old Russian buildings. Mm -hmm. Okay, communism didn't work, surprise, surprise. Yeah. So they had some huge hotels by the sea there, and they were just wear down, you know, the stairs, you could you could see the reinforcement, everything was broken, everything. But we lived in these buildings. So the society rented hotels for us, totally wear down hotels, wow. but at a nice location. So everything was crooked, everything was totally crap but you had to drive these trolleys you know you have a trolley when you clean room mm -hmm. oh yeah clean lady yeah cleaning yeah, lady. housekeepers housekeeper yeah. house, yeah, and they had to be driving on this uh, crooked floor and i remember we were sitting a bunch of scandinavians and they were like us you know be fourth third or fourth or fifth generations mm -hmm. you know and we have you, we know how it is. And oh, yeah. we were sitting laughing at the sisters because the sisters, they had to build this cleaning cart with a big wooden box, like extra strong, where they put all the empty bottles. Yeah. Oh, wow. So we were sitting there saying, you know, the, 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 this uh, cleaning lady carts, they had to uh, special cleaning cart for Bethel because of all the booze. And how we much were y'all drinking, man? I mean, they, they must, yeah. I mean. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so and, and, yeah, and we said it. The Scandinavians were sitting and talking about it, like oh, Jehovah Witnesses. We are not the boring Christians. We drink. Oh my! That, that's how we were saying. So we were yeah. just sitting there, like, ah, oh, we are not the boring Christians. We know how to party as long as you keep it in the room. In we the know room, how to yeah. party. And this cleaning thing for uh, wagon they were cart they were driving around had this big oversized wooden box for bottle for bottle and. Uh, and then they they were talking about you know the sisters the Russian sisters because obviously the Russians do the cleaning it was normal in Bethel it's oh, wow. like brother wow. sister but here it was like Scandinavian brother and sister pecking order Russian brothers Russian sisters pecking order man yeah yeah I mean that, that, and that's I was amazing. comfortable with that uh, that's also, I, I know like with us man I remember when I first got to Bethel that was probably one of the biggest thing that surprised me was the amount of alcohol that was consumed. Um, I remember getting, I had been at Bethel maybe about a week or so and I got invited over to someone's room. It was, in fact, in the United States, we have, we have what's called Monday night football. And so mm -hmm. Monday night, you have the watchtower study, the whole Bethel family study, the watchtower. Afterwards, you go to everybody's room and you stay up to watch the Monday night football game. I mean, the first time I got invited over and when the guy says, you know, JT, you want some, something to drink and go in the bathroom, man, go in the bathroom. And so I go in the bathroom. And so in the tub, in the tub, they actually had kegs, not single bottles, not a, not 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 a, not a case of beer, not a six pack. These boys has went out and bought kegs, and because one of the guys worked in the uh, in the kitchen, he had access to the ice ice machine. So he would go back with with the cart and stuff and get ice come up, and they fill the tub up and put the kegs in. And I'm like, man, that's a lot of liquor y'all boys drinking. And so this was my first introduction. 
Bethel was a very, in Russia, in Finland, was a very stressful thing where someone was always looking around your shoulder and pointing out your mistakes. Oh, yes. And this was really stressful. And I knew, you know, God, Jehovah, every, I knew something was wrong. So I tried to lift the spirit. I tried to make jokes. And people came to me and say, don't laugh. This is Bethel. And I thought that was a joke. That was by my big mistake because I thought they were joking, like, don't laugh. This is Bethel. You're the only one laughing. But they actually meant serious. So it was very stressful. And then when we were sitting, making fun of the Russian sisters, and we we're making basically making fun of their disappointment. Because I think they, they joined the Jehovah's organization mm -hmm. and they applied to Bethel and they have all this, oh I go to Bethel, what a what a privilege. And you know, we can serve there. Maybe I meet a nice, maybe that's where I meet my future husband, you know, uh, young girls, 19, yep. you know, hope and dreams and their worldly family say, you're wasting your life at a cult. You should get an education. No, I'm going to serve Bethel and Jehovah going to bless me. Yeah. You know, all that nice positive energy. And then there's to clean rooms. Okay. Someone has to do it, but then they have to drive around this vodka and and we were sitting there making fun of them because the sister said, you know, uh, they do, the Russian sisters didn't expect this kind of drinking. You know, they are not no. fourth generation like us. And, you know, they are depressed because they have to drive around so much vodka. Ha, 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 ha. And I was like, ha. And then I, you saw the sisters and you can see like depression in their eyes. And you know that every time they hit something on the surface on this, it was a click, click, click with a glass. The and then someone will say, sister, you're bringing reproach to Jehovah's name. So they had to drive these car uh, on uh, old Soviet floors without making clinking sound. And you can see, maybe I'm projecting now, but... This is what you saw. This is what you saw. I had this and they say you only can tell your own truth. You only tell what you saw. I had this enormous pain in my body when I was in Russia. Something's wrong. And I tried to lift the spirit and be nice to everyone. And it was racism. Even if Jehovah's Witnesses were nice, they were racist. There were this aggressivity between Swedes and Finns. There was like this man-made rules that were just sucking until I just got an idea in my head, a sentence that everything made sense. This is a place with no love. And when I accepted that sentence, everything makes sense. This oh, is a place with no love. Because as long as you try to think that this is God's organization, but human beings are imperfect. Well, obviously they are imperfect, but when I realized this is a place with no love. And then we had a governing body member stopping by, and I was thinking, should I go and tell him that this is a place with no love? <laughs> you have been brave. So he it. <laughs> Yeah, I chose not to. Yeah, you, you're smart. But, uh, basically, I was kicked out of there and uh, on a very, very weird way. And when I come home to Norway, I was suicidal. I was so depressed. Oh, wow. And uh, the, the brothers told me, you know, like, how did you think about Bethel? And I said, well, you know, it's very, we are all imperfect and we need 1,000 years to be perfect again. And to be honest, to be on Bethel was a very, very bad experience. And all the elders told me, you're not allowed to say that. That's exactly right. say that Bethel is a spiritual paradise and you should encourage all the young boys to make that their lifetime goal to work at Bethel. Yeah, that, that, that's the lie that every Bethelite is told. Um, and I that's what I was supposed to say when yeah. I was depressed and suicidal. I was supposed to walk around, smile and lie. Yeah. 
That's exactly what you're supposed to. I, I remember Lie. my first. Yeah, I, I remember my first year at Bethel. We were coming up to the month of April and May, and we was getting ready to go into the summer convention period where Bethelites would be taking leave to go back home or fly all over the world to go visit who they want to go visit for the summer conventions. And I remember my first year at Bethel. That was what they told the Bethel family. Now, brothers, or maybe our brothers will be starting to leave and go and travel, visit their families and friends, and we want to make sure that we take only a positive mass. And, you know, that's, that's cold word for don't be telling folks what's going on here. And uh, you understood that. And so I remember growing up as a kid, the only person I knew who was a Bethelite, guy, young guy, 19 years old, went to Bethel. He, and this was during the time we had to stay for four years. You were forced to stay for four years. And he stayed his four years. He came back to North Carolina. Man, probably in six months, he was gone. And everybody was just shocked because he went to Harvard. He went to Yale of the Jehovah's Witness program. And then he yeah. fell apart. And so we just figured he was spiritually weak. But what happened was he went to Bethel, man. And, he, and from what I understand, he ran into all of these issues because he tried to tell people. It, was, it wasn't the years later that I find this out. He tried to tell people what Bethel was really like. And they were like, no, no, not at the house. No, the house they will never of, believe you. The house of God, not at the house of God. And the so cults, cults, uh, cults create this uh, kind of um, alibi yeah. that the people on the ground level had to uh, be like ridiculously holy. And then if you want to go to the next level, you have to be even more whole. And this creates this idea that uh, the governing body is like almost perfect. And if you're Bethel and perfect, like uh, Mormonism, you're not supposed to masturbate, think about sex, uh, look at porn or anything. And when that's the on the lower level, no one will believe you when you tell that Joseph Smith had sex with 14-year-old uh, girls. Yeah. Because they believe this is the rule for us down here and it just gets better and better. Yes. And I would That's describe this the way Jehovah Witnesses have is that uh, they have really strict rules with uh, paying taxes and everything and being holy mm -hmm. on the lower levels. But uh, when higher you come in the system, you see that they allow themselves bigger and bigger. Like, like when I was paid, the first project I came to work in Norway, uh, in the beginning I wasn't paid at all, but then I asked to get my allowance and it was like 800 a Norwegian kroner, that's like $80, like the typical... That's what we get, we got $80. Yeah. We got $80. Yeah. Yeah, $80. And they told me that they would give me $50 after taxes. What? Oh, that's right, they had take taxes out of y'all guys' stuff. Yeah. That's right. So in the end of the... And remember, I'm not a Norwegian citizen, I'm a Scandinavian citizen. So I think I have uh, free healthcare anyway, but just because we have free healthcare, I, you can't just come to Norway as a non-citizen and expect you, you're supposed yeah. to work and pay your taxes, you know, to get this free healthcare. And it's a wonderful system we have. So, but anyway, and also paying $30 out of eight, 80 in taxes. I was proud of doing that. I did the right thing, you know. So in the end of the year, I asked them, you know, for my statement so I can file my tax return. You know, I, maybe I can start a Bible study. He will look at it and say, oh, you're such an honest person. Why? I'm one of Jehovah Witnesses. Yep. So I, I wanted this statement for all the reasons. And then they told me that, well, since you came from Sweden and you didn't have all your papers filed, I didn't. Uh, they could have helped me with that. But we paid you from the other book. So every month, and this I can say because I saw it with my own eyes. I don't know how the organization works in general, but this I saw with my own eyes, yeah. that every month I came there they took out a binder 
and I had to, they wrote it up. I had to file, uh, sign a paper that I received this. It was put back in the binders, but that was the other binder. And I asked about that and I said, well, we, we ask some generous brothers that we know are generous and they give money under the table to this account that we use for other expenses. Wow. So that, that's not hearsay. That's yeah. That's yeah. something I, mean, I saw it, with my own eyes. That's what I said before when we first started, we saw behind, we saw the sausage being made. I was at the funny thing is, no, the funny thing is, where's my $30? <laughs> they deducted yeah. taxes yeah. from money under the table. Yeah. How uh, man, does I'm, that even work? Man, I'm gonna tell you, man, it's amazing. I, <laughs> I was I was at Bethel during the time when they instituted the vow of poverty. And I went from before the vow of poverty to after the vow of poverty. And to this very day, to this very day, my records here in the United States with the IRS, the Internal Revenue Services here in the United States, it still reflects the zero years that I contributed to my Social Security. Boy, so I just want to say something nice. The Russian brothers, they were really nice, but uh, they could kind of see that something was wrong. They could not uh, understand the Scandinavian dynamics. And... Um, when you have this, someone always looking at your shoulder, ready to complain. I remember once, uh, so we have these mops, you know, how to clean a floor. Mm -hmm. And obviously, uh, so that's, we don't think about it, but that's a Western concept. In Soviet, they were standing on their knees with a bucket. Yeah, the bucket. The other knees. So some sisters were asked to clean and they were down on their knees using, didn't know how to use the mops. And the Finnish sisters... Uh, yelled at them like Ooh, wow. verbally abusive asked them are you stupid are you stupid it was actually stuff like that happened and 20 years later it still made me sad yeah. Yeah. it was like you had this pain in your heart when you were there and you could see some some witnesses they come uh, we had something called uh, talco uh, it means that was it talco? We spoke like a mix of Scandinavian and Finnish and Russian there. We had all these weird expressions. Uh, I think it was talco workers. Uh, it means, well, it means that they invited people to come to work on a Saturday and they made a mistake. And instead of inviting a congregation in St. Petersburg, that's just one hour away or 45 minutes away, they invited the congregation in Vladivostok, I think it was. And that's two days on the train one way Ooh, wow yeah but the brothers came oh man so imagine if you would uh, invite to work on bethel a saturday you know the harlem congregation harlem new york and you by mistake you send harlem arkansas and uh, they buy yeah. and we're talking about people that are literally broke really poor yeah yeah, I, you would visit people that were living under conditions uh, that was really sad, uh, like um, witnesses, like two families living in the same small flat, like obviously sharing kitchen and bathroom, but it was like uh, just two rooms in the house. So it was like mommy, daddy and three kids in one room and the other mommy, daddy and kids in the other room. And they were just, and I've been invited home and we're going to have a dinner. And it's like, and we're sitting three guys, 
sharing on one bottle of beer because it's Friday and we're going to have a beer. And you know, they basically broke their back to buy that beer. And we are three guys and they're like, thank you. I have a sip and we're having a party. So that kind of pour and they buy tickets to go two days to, to, to Bethel. Let me ask you the 60, can I ask you, you a $64,000 question? Yeah. Can, can I ask you the $64,000 question? Do you have $64,000? No, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm not worried about losing this. <laughs> uh, this is a $64,000 question. Since the organization, since the branch is the one that made the mistake of inviting these brothers who financially could not really come, did they offer any assistance to help them get back home? Well, the correct answer would be, I don't know. Because I don't, but uh, I'm 100 certain they did not. <laughs> they did not. Yeah, as one guy said, if if, I'm, if I was a betting man, I'm not betting that they gave them any help to get back home. Yeah. Uh, if that would, if this would have been the Norwegian battle, they would have. <laughs> they would have been really nice. They would have said, "Sorry, our mistake. We're so." They would have acted in a really loving way and said, "You know." call someone to come we have to make an extra nice meal we have to what's in the budget can we buy extra ice cream for these people i the norwegian bethel would have done so they would have <laughs> looked in the budget we have to find something to show our appreciation uh on this uh, russian bethel i'm pretty sure it was like you came well you're the wrong guy you came anyway okay this is your shower yeah i mean that's that's and, and the only reason I, I'm said, pretty sure, but a correct answer would be I don't know. Yeah, and and, and the, re the reason I asked is because we know how the organization operates. They would simply said to them, "View this as," and this is the most overused word in the organization. View it as a privilege. To yeah, have and and that's how they cover themselves in so many things. I mean, I, I know so many situations that, that not exactly like that, but the organization was wrong, and they would simply say, "Well, just view it as a privilege, brother." And, and at that point, you can't complain. You can't say anything because you're supposed to now view this as a privilege from Jehovah. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's just amazing with this organization. In, in the organization, you can never stand up for yourself, but you can stand up for other people. Yeah. And I, I used to do that, and it doesn't do you any good. I actually never been an elder. I've been on four Bethels, and I was pioneering for almost 10 years, but I, I only been a ministerial servant one month. <laughs> so uh, I was... I was very loyal, but I had my own mind, and uh, yeah. it hurts your career. To oh, oh, yeah, that. yeah. If you, if you, if you, if once, and, and see the thing of it is, as you move around to different locations, one of the things that you don't know is you don't know what they're putting. And this is, you know, I, I know here in the United States, and they, they they made some change with this because of laws. But as people move around from congregation to congregation, you get that letter of introduction sent behind you. And you mm -hmm. literally don't know what they're telling this next group of elders about you. And they'll say things like, he's a good brother, but keep an eye on him. And when you tell the average body of elders that somebody's a good brother, but keep your eye on him, when it comes time to appointing someone like that, you'll have somebody in the meeting who will always say, well, I don't know, brothers, I'm just going to keep my eye on him. And so you And so people have really no idea of what is said in those letters of introduction. And I know because I used to send them as a secretary and I also know what was sent out on me because I was able to get a copy of my letter of introduction that was sent when we left this organization. And as always, it is, it's, it's, it's never good, especially if you 
have done something that's viewed as going against the organization. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be good. And so once again, it's like a business. Well, I tell you, man, it has been a pleasure having you talking to you, uh, sharing some Bethel, as we say, Bethel war stories. Um, yeah, I wish I could tell you about the secret battle, but we can do it another time. Yeah, we'll do it again. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it's always good. And just to give people an insight on the back end of this organization, as well as what they're actually seeing and dealing with themselves, we, we think it's very yeah. So Goldlight Personality, we want to thank you. And we're glad that, like I said, we're glad to have you here. And we look forward to following back up with you, seeing what you're doing over there on the other side of the pond. And uh, Yeah, it's a lot of stuff happening here now. Uh, I'm working like more than fi- more than 50% of my work with ghosts on apostasy, but that's how things get done. That's exactly right. So All right, then. We can't remove the cult, but we can improve the cult. I so like that. I like Jehovah that. Witnesses deserve a better cult. <laughs> oh, you too much, man. You too much. Well, this has been JT. Thanks everyone for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing everybody on our next video. Take yep. care of yourself. See you in paradise. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.